Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another conversation with uh, with David Hubert and myself. We have a really um, exciting one for you today. I mean, they're always exciting, but um, I think uh, David and I have been hyping this up um, for a while now for a couple of reasons, as we will see when we get into it. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we, we were even talking a little bit about this talk in the previous talk with Manny, because um, the, the three of these wonderful individuals know each other from back in the day at DreamWorks. And um, and uh you know there was a there was a there's a similar line that sort of thread here uh you know we talked a little bit about you know what's your end plan or what's you know how do you how do you what, what's the trajectory that you'd like to see yourself going in well you know jalil he ended up on a trajectory that uh, is very interesting um you know is coming from as an animator uh, at weta and at dreamworks he found himself you know co-founding and now being the ceo of, of, a, of a quickly growing animation company and it all just sort of seemingly from what the, the, the stories that i heard the legends that i heard and we'll hear directly from from him himself today uh it was just a, an interesting series of events that just sort of one thing happened after the other and next thing you know boom he's running a company and um, it's i think david has a very similar backstory because uh, something kind of similar happened to him with agora studio so the two of these people are going to have a lot of a lot of interesting insights when it comes to um how the, how that kind of thing happens and uh what their experience was like um uh, while that was sort of occurring in their life and how they how they managed to keep it all together somehow because um god knows uh, it's difficult enough just being an animator on a job let alone trying to worry about making sure the next job is going to be showing up and then you know providing work for all the people that you have um working for you now so without further ado let's bring in uh um, mr david uber as usual there he is hi hey brent how are you i'm good we have to have like a special handshake or something, or like a high five maneuver every time you come in. You know, like you we got we got to work on something. We kind of do, I guess. It's sort of you know. We'll, All right. Let, yeah, let, I'll come up with something. Let's brainstorm on it. We'll do. We'll, well do. We'll I'm, meeting. I'm super looking forward to this uh, discussion. I mean, uh, Jelly is one of my top twenty favorite people alive, probably Ooh, today. High so praise. That's, uh, high praise. That, that, that's a lot of pressure for, for Jelly <laughs> backstage right now. He might be just saying, my God, too much He's pressure. Now. He's like, really, dude, really? <laughs> okay, well, let's let's bring him in here so he can defend himself. Okay, here we go. Mr. Jelly Sadu, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Good. Nice having you. So, like, what, you know, how do you feel about this, this praise that he's throwing in your general direction? Was, is it, is it, <laughs> I, I was mean, just uh, listening to you guys. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, it's very true how it happened. It's just like, oh, God, you just stumble on, you know, on something. But uh, David Barry, he's okay. He's, he's cool all right. Guy. Yeah. We, we tolerate him. He's an okay. <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Jelio, uh, one of the things that there's actually, Usually an hour and a half is never uh, enough for those conversations, and I feel that is going to be even more through uh, through with uh, with you. So let's just for, for those that don't know you, just let's try to keep your 
your, your story at a like two or three minutes. So let's say everything from getting out of school to having this crazy idea <laughs> with the car quick starter and, and all that. And so ju just, just this part <laughs> and go. Three minutes. Everybody's laughing at me right now because it's uh, got to get stopwatch. <laughs> uh, so finished school in uh, um, you know early 2000 and uh, got you know again worked very hard you know got uh, got my first job at uh, Rhythm and Hughes was there for about a couple of years and then uh, after Rhythm and Hughes I left for Wet Eye New Zealand I was down there for about uh, five years and uh, after five years i think i was ready to 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 move i i loved weather you know just love working there it was it was my my home uh but definitely new zealand was a bit too far you know for family and for and i always say i, I missed uh <laughs> i missed best buy and borders were still around at that time you know i, I really missed that you know the <laughs> first world problems right uh, um, and so i really wanted to come back to the u.s uh, so then I applied at DreamWorks and uh, it was, you know, for me, the place that I really wanted to go and uh, ever since, ever since Prince of Egypt, that was really kind of, a uh, Shrek kind of, yeah, yeah, it kind of made me second guess, you know, my dream place, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, but then after watching Kung Fu Panda and the first Dragons film, I was like, oh yeah, this is where I want to be. And, Luckily, I you know I got in and and uh, then I was at DreamWorks for about four years, and this is when really you know it happened you know and my one of my ex colleagues from uh, from Weta came to visit and he said hey Jalal I'm quitting Weta after the Hobbit films because I want to come back to 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 Florida to open a studio with my best friend in his uh, in his uh, garage and uh, you should join us and I was like what. <laughs> no man, what's, what's the matter with you? I I, I have a one year old and and uh, you know I'm I'm gonna be starting Dragons three, you know, and I'm I'm, I'm excited, you know, this project I want to be on. And but yeah, six months later, I, I, you know, I don't know, I was driving down to Florida. <laughs> six months, <laughs> it was crazy. And uh, uh, but it wasn't. I didn't quit at that point. I took a long sabbatical. You know, I told DreamWorks and everybody there that I was going to. Try this endeavor, you know, down with a group of friends, and they all say, Poof, "It's gonna fail. You'll be back." Really, uh, <laughs> my animation, my hook at the time. Uh, I'm not gonna say his name, uh, uh, but he, he, uh, he was like, "Jalil, I thought you were gonna just go down there. This thing was not gonna work out, and you were just gonna come back." Uh, uh, this is kind of what I thought too. You know, I told my wife, I said, "You know, what's the risk? Really, it's uh, you know some gas for the car." You know, <laughs> one year of our lives. Uh, uh, but if if it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, you know, we'll just hopefully come back and hopefully DreamWorks will will bring me back. Um, and that was it. You know, we came here, and within a few months, I knew I just wanted to stay. It was difficult. You know, we we took a huge pay cut. We were we used all of our savings that we had saved for a house, and and uh, but there was the excitement of we are doing this on our own there was the excitement of if it fails it fails but at least we you know uh, uh, we can look back and say we tried this this was really the attitude you know that we had and we did the kickstarter you know we said yeah we got a hundred thousand dollars so yes we're gonna make a, a four million dollar game let's do this <laughs> so we were yeah, we were fools, uh, uh, but you know we didn't know any better. You know, we we just ran out of money within 
within um, within six months, you know, and we were we hired two people at the time, and uh, it, were, it was a team of five, and within six months we realized, well, what do we do? Do we bring investors on board? And I think our attitude towards this was we we wanted to try and do it on our own. So uh, how yeah, not give creative control to to investors? So we. Um, we decided, well, we have two animators on staff, so let's call some friends and see who needed help. And uh, hence, you know, Dave, Davey Bear showed up <laughs> and said, Jalil, I need some help. Uh, uh, and uh, also we had a couple other, other, you know, friends that were like, hey, we need help as well. And all of a sudden, you know, we like, well, are you okay if I bring one of my animators on board? And <laughs> we started every new project hiring animators. And one thing led to another, and we had a team of 25 people, and uh, we kept doing more animation projects. And I think it was within the first three years that we realized we had an animation studio. And I think... Uh, uh, Adam, by accident. By accident, yeah. it was. I mean, <laughs> you know, Adam was like, Jalil, we have 25 animators right now, and we are making a video game. And I said, okay. He goes, why don't, you, why don't we make a short film? I said, oh, that's a terrible idea. You know, don't go into short films. It's proven it doesn't work. And uh, two days later, I call him. I was like, dude, I got an idea. Let's make a short film. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, mm hmm. It's so, classic. yeah. So, we, you know, at that point, we, we knew after three years that we had something special and we needed to nurture it. And, uh, you know, we, we did our best, you know, we're still doing our, our, our best, you know, we, there's failures and successes, you know, building a studio and you're, you're never, you're, you never know exactly how it's gonna, how it's gonna work out. But, you know, we have the right intent, the right, uh, uh, you know, the right philosophies, hopefully you get there, you just need to yeah. be open to learning and open to, to, yeah, so, you know, now we are where we are, we have about 150 people now, you know, at the studio. And, and so one of the, the very interesting detail I didn't know is this one year sabbatical, mm -hmm. because we, we were in discussion with uh, Manny uh, Fragilis uh, last yeah, week from CGMA. Yeah. Uh, and he did the same, take, took a three month uh, sabbatical, which became three more months and three more months. Uh, and I actually did something very similar. I took a, a three-month uh, 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 yeah. sabbatical and then kind of come back, but part-time, part-time three days that eventually became three hours a week to the point that, but it's it's just, you, you know, it, it seems to be a recurring thing. It's not all in, okay, I leave everything. I have no safety net, no plan B, and I'm going to start this business. No, you, you, you are cautious. You have a plan B if things don't, don't work out, but if you're, you know, if you know what you're doing, you're passionate and you're persistent. Many times it's uh, uh, working out. Uh, one of the part that uh, I'm I'm really uh, curious about is to know a bit more about the uh, the, the Kickstarter at the uh, at the beginning. Because uh, so is the stu the studio? We have a studio. We need a project. Let's go with Kickstarter. Or it's actually the oh now we have a Kickstarter. Let's create a, a studio to create the game. So what, what arrive before what and how would you describe this Kickstarter uh, experience? Um, it was, I, we are still living through it. And, uh, you know, it was, um, it was definitely the game, of course, that came first, right? The studio was a, a byproduct of we wanted to make the game. And it's a lot, it's, it's 
tricky to explain when your your nature is an entrepreneur that is also creative. You know, when when we did the Kickstarter and we realized, oh my God, you know, it, you know the really the the money we got from the Kickstarter really kickstart you know, it, right? But the game we were making actually ended up costing almost, you know, $4 million. Uh, so, but you, you, it's hard to explain that, you know, is go, well, did you build a studio? Well, we honestly, the studio happened because we wanted to make money so we can invest more in the game we were making. It only happens when we get to a point after three years that we're like, wow, we actually have, you know, a group of animators. So maybe we should nurture that. Because if we nurture that, they have a home as well, because all of them wanted a place that they could call home to. And we said, okay, well, we got to nurture this, not just the game we're making. And you kind of adapt as you go. So I can tell you, you know, it started with Deadwood, but then it became its own, you know, its own company. And this year we are finishing Deadwood, right? So Deadwood is coming out, you know, probably in four months now, I think five months. Uh, but finally, after so, you know, so long, but it took us a, a while to learn as we go. You know, none of us were entrepreneurs. We knew our intent was to finish the game and make it. But during that time, you meet people along the way that you're hiring that they, they, they start to tell you, hey, you have an animation studio grow it let's start to do more animation stuff and you step back and you're like true we're not just making a game we can also make a short film let's do it you know so let's make a short film let's keep making so that's how it it happened it's uh you know it took us seven years i know sometimes it might feel really quick but it didn't feel that way we were just trying to be as make calculated risk you know how do we make more money to be able to finish what we've started yeah. um, yeah. So I'm curious. Oh, oh, oh go ahead. No, uh, go ahead, bro. I was just gonna say. So um, I got. So it's interesting that you. I'd be, I'd be curious to pick your brain on your thoughts looking back on Kickstarter. Whether that was in your mind, is that something that you still would you? If you were to do it all over again, would you do it again? Because I know one, one thing. I spent a lot of time on Kickstarter, and I've 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 helped. Uh, I've pledged a lot of support on a lot of a lot of things that I thought were 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 awesome. But one thing I've learned very quickly about Kickstarter is it's a very toxic place for because people don't seem to get the idea that they're not buying a product when they pledge. They're providing support for something that they want to see come out. So uh, I see a lot of really great companies uh sort of reach out to kickstarter to get that kind of funding but like it, it's uh you know obviously it was delayed and it was a delayed, delayed for lots of really good reasons i'm just curious like is that something that you would do again it was it was it overall was it a positive experience or i mean i'm sure i'm sure you're probably gonna say wait until we actually release it and then i can tell you because then at that point you will feel like yeah i finally deliver this thing and everyone can play it and everyone sort of will uh, feel vindicated for that support I'm just curious, like, would you do it again? Or was it, was it an extra pain on top of everything else in your mind? No, it, it was, uh, it was difficult, you know, Yeah, I would imagine with the backlash and, you know, the, the positive side of it. And, and, you know, you can't blame the fans, you know, you can't blame the people. No. They, they don't, you know, and I won't say they don't understand. There's so much we didn't understand. You yeah, know, when that's we it. Were doing it. It was a matter of us figuring it out, but yeah, you know, if we were doing this on live TV and people saw us, problem solving yeah, everybody exactly. would have been like oh my god that's what they're going through no wonder yes exactly no wonder but when you don't see us problem solve and then yeah and then six months on the road you see a decision was made yeah. you are entitled to not like it 
right you are but the decisions you know the, the, the decisions we made was based on the people we we're bringing as well we were now there were lives that were at, at stake you know yeah. families at stake we yeah. we had a company now to nurture the decisions we were making do i you know give lunch do i build a pantry or do <laughs> i put a new feature you know it's like well a pantry keeps my employees happier to make more things for the game later yeah. so, but when people see a picture of a pantry they're like oh is that where the money is going well like yeah. well, well no it's it's difficult unless you see us go yep. through it. but no but, i agree you know i it, it, me and my partners we knew it it hurts you know it hurts when you see people back but we understand it we mm. it's about communication i think we made a lot our biggest mistakes was probably not communicating enough because we were so busy our heads down we didn't have a marketing team we didn't have yeah. someone to come and help us a social media person we didn't at the start and okay and eventually we started wisening up and going mm. hey we need someone to just to manage that yeah exactly keep, keep them in the loop because i feel like that's what they often expect it's, it's similar because like i've seen like early access games they go through the same experience because there's, if there's one if there's a group of people out there consumers that are extremely vocal it is definitely gamers yeah. gamers are not going to hold they are going to tell you how they feel yep. and they can it's so quick they can change their opinion so fast like they go from hating your guts because you haven't given them enough information they feel entitled to to quite literally just going right back to worshiping you you see it even with like companies like blizzard like you see it time and time again it doesn't matter and blizzard have just learned to be like you know what haters are going to hate but the one thing we know about our haters is they will be lovers once we put out a good product and they kind of bank on that and then they stick to their guns they kind of keep their eye on the prize and they only the only thing they really know they need to focus on is making sure they deliver a good product in the end yeah. if it comes up a little later than they originally targeted all the people will remember at the end is that the game was great and they're going to thank you for it even if they had to wait a little longer for it but at the time people have a hard time sort of some, some wrapping their head around that sometimes i notice yeah. so I think Kickstarter made me, uh, uh, <laughs> it sounds cheesy, but maybe a better person to <laughs> understand, <laughs> you know, when I complain, you know, mm. what I don't understand. And mm. I think, you know, now when I complain about anything, I go to the grocery store, mm. you know, I think of Kickstarter and I go, yeah, there's lack of visibility. They didn't know. That's why they reacted this way. Oh, totally. you know, so, so, you know, for me as well now, when whatever I do, I actually think of that. It makes me, mm. you know, not just jump to a conclusion because there's a lot of things I don't understand. Uh, it's about explaining it. Now, did they explain it to me why it worked that way? Probably not. But then mm. uh, there's always a benefit of, of the doubt, unless mm. we are evil people that are trying to steal people's money. You know, for mm. me, mm. I, uh, you know, I don't sleep at night because, you know, I know I want the product to be really good mm -hmm. but i don't it's but but i don't i don't feel like i trick people so you know that's not the reason i don't because well, you know that you're not but the it, problem is the people that are behind that that wall of not seeing all the things that you're going through they don't know and, and people get burned on kickstarter in the past and on indiegogo and it, that's the problem with any kind of like early access or help or, or any kind of like kickstarting like project is that i think a lot of people are excited by the product but they forget to read the, the fine print print at the end of the day these things are not exactly easy to just suddenly finish just because you want it to be done it's like you want to get done right you know like would they be happier if you got it done on time but it came out and it was like a disaster or like probably not they'd probably be way more mad that's my like i think my point of like it, it's always at the end what you ship is what they're going to remember the most
yeah, and we are hoping the game is going to be a lot of fun. It's actually looking awesome, and it's yeah, I imagine awesome. And uh, yeah, we just I, I was just seeing some footage yesterday, and and it, it's it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I can't wait for it to come out. <laughs> I can I can only imagine after such a long saga. So, uh, Jelly, tell me from the initial Kickstarter of a uh, hundred thousand, uh, was it the uh, the the target that you guys? Uh, I think it was. I think we had put sixty five thousand, and we got a hundred and thirty thousand. But then, of course, Kickstarter takes a chunk of it. I think in the end, yeah. it was about ninety something thousand. Yeah. Okay, so in in between the target of sixty five and ending up building a game of three four uh, million, million. Uh, of budget, what what happened? Uh, I guess it's a combination of uh, of many things like you know under budgeting for sure and then eventually realizing that oh now we have income we can invest a little bit so what what is it in between those two numbers in between those two numbers uh, ignorance uh, really man we <laughs> didn't we had no clue what we were doing we were a bunch of filmmakers who wanted to make a game here's your big mistake you know we can all sit back today and be like what were we thinking you know we we were creatives. We we knew we wanted to tell a great story. You know, uh, you know, we went way too big, and we you know we knew this through as we were pivoting. But I can tell you, you know, we spent a lot of money building a game that wasn't the game that we, unless we had twenty million, we couldn't do the game we had wanted to do. And uh, in the last year and a half, two years, we had to pivot and change quite a bit of the game to make it fun because the game ended up being so lethargic. It it had a lot of pretty animation and pretty looking things, but the game itself was not made by gamers. It was a bunch of filmmakers mm. and storytellers. So we had to bring in people that honestly knew, you know, more about gaming and how to make it fun games. And luckily, we brought in, uh, you know, a, a killer team. You know, we, you know, led by by George Verrea. You know, he's he's actually George was with us for quite a while, and George was like, "I'm gonna finish this game and I'm gonna remake it, and it's gonna be awesome." And he had his team to back him up, and they all, honestly, we were like, "Can you guys pitch us how we can make this game fun? Because it is not." You know, uh, so we we listened to the team. We allowed the team to tell us, you know, because we put them in that situation. You know, we knew it. We spent a lot of, of, of money on it to get here. But again, these are people's lives. They spent the dedicated time in doing this. Now they're going to leave not wrapping up a game. We said, you know what? They are the best people to tell us what we what went wrong and uh, what we should do. We are honestly stepped back, the three owners, and uh, we said, you guys tell us what you think. And they tore the game apart. They built three games for us. Huh. And they, no, they, they didn't make it. They just redesigned yeah, yeah. the games and they pitched it to us. And we we honestly, I remember sitting in the room saying, which ones do you guys like most? Because I have my favorite <laughs> and we all like the same one. And I said, that's the game we're making. Do you guys stand by this? And they said, absolutely. I said, then we're going to fund it. So you know we diverted all that we used all the assets of course a lot of the animation was reused but the gameplay mechanics itself is a world different now you know it is actually now super fun to play and exciting and my daughter and i were playing it and she just wants to keep playing it all the time i'm like well there's a big mm. buggy all through the ground <laughs> that's awesome that's something that we discussed yesterday with uh brent in our q a that you know sometime mm -hmm. even if you're a in a leadership position you need to put your ego aside and don't expect that you should be the one having all the solution all the good ideas and all that and and being humble enough at times to say you know what 
I do not have this the solution for whatever reasons. Uh, we need I need help here. Uh, and is there anyone interested to contribute or brainstorm or participate to what is going to be the solution? Because I don't have it right now. Yeah. So it's. Just me. Uh, it, I watched my Kickstarter launch of how the amazing, you know, and I remember me laughing at uh, Peter Molyneux, how he used to be this inspirational mm. gamer who would describe his game and then it never happens. I did exactly the same thing. Mm. You know, I, <laughs> I watched that video. I, I'm yeah, like, that's, that's the worst. can we please never have that? Oh, Jalil, sorry, it's online, man. Everybody can watch it. So it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> You're just embarrassed, uh, but you know what? You learn. We, <laughs> I'm human. I'm learning. I'm hoping I can get better. Yeah, uh, th there's another aspect of Steamroll I'm very interested to to know about because getting to you said what 150 maybe uh, employees uh, now st still growing. It's in, in seven years that that that's a lot. I know many studio, for instance, here in Montreal that they top at 80, <clears throat> 90, uh, and they've been you know hovering this way for uh, 10 years. So what what would you describe being the recipe of success of your group, especially not having this master plan of, okay, we're going to do this. There's been a fair amount of improvisation uh, along the way to kind of where you started with this idea of taking your car and driving to Florida to seven years later being there. So what would you attribute the, the current success to or which decisions uh, that made a, a difference? Um, a few things. I mean. It, you know, when Keith asked me, you know, six years ago, how big do you think the company is gonna is gonna ever get? You know, I said thirty five max. You know, I said thirty five is where we're gonna be. We were at six six or seven at the time, and he was like, I see two hundred, and he was definitely more right than I was. Um, but you know, it's a matter of of listening, and I think you don't have all the answers you have to be it's calculated risk you know you have to be careful with the risks you take you have to make sure that you know there's longevity you have to really look way further you know than the end of the project because if you have a project and you're going to have to you know ramp up where do they go after that do you do you have something else after this do you ramp down so it's it's there was a lot of things that came together dave it wasn't i can't pinpoint to any one thing good delegation having an incredible team like i can tell you right now i get emotional right? because you know we couldn't have done this you know without the team that we had and everybody was in it together you know uh, um and you know when we make a decision it was always we sit at a table we all discuss it and then we go, okay, what's the best way to go? You know, then eventually you have to make the final call, you know, is this is this the right thing? But listening to everybody talk kind of gives you the picture of the things you don't know. And I think that's what you need to thrive on. What don't I know? Because the more you know that what you don't know, the more visibility you have, you know, in your head. And uh, and I think I think we kept doing this quite a bit, you know, and also keeping each other. Uh, especially the owners and the and the and the heads of the company and, and and you know and the and the leaders, you know, making sure we keep each other in check. You know, that we put ego at the door. We discuss everything. There were tough times. You know, there were incredibly tough times, but every move we were making, you know, led us to something a little bigger that had longevity. And uh, you know, there were projects that were too big that didn't have longevity. We wouldn't go for it because we would have to wrap up 
and ram down and then you break your culture at that point we really wanted to go as slow as possible but yet make these calculated calculated risks um it's hard to pinpoint exactly how we got to 150 yeah i would say that's probably it is just listening and and uh, making sure we take the right project and reaching out to the right people, I guess, would be a part of it too. You know, when yeah. you, you know we we got a project and we start building that relationship with that person. I think the relationship is super, super important because mm -hmm. you have somebody that is vouching for you at another studio. You know, they bring the project to you. That's a relationship you got to nurture and, and build and, you know, making sure the quality of the product, you know, is there at all costs. You know, we we did quite a bit to be able to get, you know, to, to get the, the quality bar where we wanted it to be. There was a lot of nurturing of our team as well. We almost ran the the company almost like a school, you know, teach and grow together and learn. And there's a lot of that happening, especially at the start of the company. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying now to maintain, but like like we talked about, David, you know, when you get to a certain size, it's really difficult, you know, to maintain that culture. You start to find little cultures within within this big machine. Yeah, that that was actually right. My follow up question: Is there already some? things that that you guys are doing uh, as you see that oh we used to be a tight group but now as we're growing there's multiple little tight group and we see how it can eventually grow in, into uh, hurting the, the 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 culture of let's we're all in it to, to together so is there already um some initiatives that are taken uh and you know some of them might be working other might not be working but is that part of your um, conversation as uh, it's growing? yeah i mean absolutely you know you you deal with it even you you know even when you reach to 50 you start seeing you know a shift in culture and, and where things needs to be you start you know we i didn't understand you know uh, you know again i knew the need of an hr you know team but i didn't understand when it needs to happen we didn't know okay when is the point you say you need an hr because we were used to take care of everything uh, but that we learned it the hard way you know we learned it the hard way when we had people that were unhappy and that's because you know i take the you know i take the blame for losing touch with a group of you know uh, a team and uh, not because i meant to it's just you sometimes as you're growing you're putting your focus somewhere else you know i look at a studio like a like a bucket of water and you're always trying to to tilt it to look for the button because that's where the solution is and you tilt it and you see the bottom you're oh great and then it's drowning on the other side <laughs> and you're here and the, as the company grow it's more water coming in that bucket eventually you can't tilt it anymore to see the bottom so and i'm always doing this and it's always like yeah this is great now oh no these guys are not doing well at all and you got to pivot to go there and yeah you you're in a constant shift so we are at a point now where it's it's again you know bringing the right the right team team members to help us keep growing and start focusing smaller sections of people with like like-minded people you know for us you know, we brought in Aaron Gilman, you know, to come in and help us because him and I have very similar philosophies and, you know, hardworking and structure. And as I felt, you know, uh, you know, if you guys know, uh, uh, of course, uh, Art of War, you know, when he said you, you know, when you're done, you know, finishing, you know, your conquest, you got to look back 
and make sure you fortify your castle before you go on your next conquest. Right? <laughs> so I got to that point when I and I was like, yeah, feature film, let's go do this. I turned around and, and looked at my castle and said, oh my God, this needs reinforcement. <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> strong enough, right? So that's why when Aaron and I were talking about that, I told him, I said, I'm gonna, I need to bring, you know, uh, a team that can help me fortify this castle before I go on my next conquest, you know? And and that's why, you know, we, we started bringing more leaders to help us grow and, and, and maintain what we have internally. And it's difficult, it is difficult. You know, every time you try to fix something and your intent is right, you know, and sometimes you make decisions that, you know, is good for the company itself, but is not good for a few people. And uh, that's where, you know, that's the, time, that's the stuff that gets me emotional sometimes because you want to do something good and the survival of the company hurts a few people. And uh, yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of difficult, was it difficult to convince a lot of people to move to Florida to, to mm. join the, uh, the studio? Mm -hmm. Because it's not a yeah. typical place that you would think. I mean, yes, uh, obviously. Uh, Florida is Disney, awesome. Back in the Florida days. is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> go, go Florida, but there is not a big thriving animation industry. So I, I'm assuming that it was not just local recruiting. You had to go get people a little bit all, all over the place, right? The mentality when we started was everybody needed to be here. You know, we wanted to build a studio. Uh, uh, you know, I none of us thought Florida was difficult until we were getting, you know, to when we talk to most people around here and realize, wait, we need to go outside of, of the state now. Um, and, uh, but it was, it's always been difficult. It is still difficult. You know, we, I love Florida because I'm, a, I'm from a tropical island. So for me, I just love the place when I got here. Uh, um, but you know, it is, it's now it's actually getting better. More people are more open, you know, to coming down here. But let me tell you, since COVID, it taught us, my pipeline team, my ID team, my IT team, that it is possible to to do both, to have a shift. I know Dave, you and I have had huge conversations in the past about, you know, remote compared to you know in you know in house. And for me, I stick to in house. Uh, 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 I, I stuck to in house because that's kind of my mentality. But now, with the shift, I'm like. Actually, they both work well. It is, and we we are deciding we're gonna keep both because we kind of like mm -hmm. having the headquarter. You know, I love going to the office, uh, but we are now open, very much open to remote. You know, we our pipeline is set up that it actually works remote as well. So, yeah, I would say that's probably one of the things that the the silver lining for the animation industry, the the pandemic. There's all of the studios that were very hesitant to yep. uh, have some artists working in remote were actually forced to realize that, oh, actually it is possible. I mean, sometimes it's even more efficient. Sometimes it's way less efficient. There's some, you know, uh, discussion or sometimes like brainstorming or there's many things that is more difficult to, 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 to do in remote. Uh, but, and I, I don't know if you run uh, internal survey, but many of the studios I spoke uh, in Montreal, uh, it's like 20% of the employee, they never want to go to work again. 20% never want to be working from home ever again. And 60%, the vast majority are like, you know what, I'd like to have some flexibility. Uh, I, I want to socialize, um, but maybe like three days a week, can I work from home? So, so that means that there's at least 80% total 
uh, of you know people in our industry that will be, uh, if not expecting, hoping to work for a studio that will have this kind of flexibility. Mm -hmm. And definitely the studio that adapt like you guys did and many are doing will have a big leverage compared to those that no nope, pandemic's over, everyone on site, and you know back to to the uh, uh, usual. So do, do you already have a post-COVID uh, plan of how that's going to be managed? Because obviously you have a space that is, uh, you know, tailored for the amount of employee that you expect to be on site, but now it might not be as that. So how, how will you guys adapt to this post-COVID uh, era with remote work? We do. I mean, we've already been talking, you know, quite extensively about it, about when we're going to come back. We already have a date. You know, we've already done a survey of how many would want to come back to the studio. And we are very open, you know, to working. The flexible one is is a little tricky. And that's because of, of which computer they, they'll use. How will the pipeline work when they are home and they are here? You know, uh, will they need a computer here and a computer at home? Because we sent computers, you know, to, mm. to people's homes so that it's encrypted and all that stuff. Uh, uh, but so there will be a bit of that you know it's a bit tricky to be flexible but we are right now open to are you wanting to be there or wanting to be here and also because we have employees as well you know and you it's difficult to have employees in different states because of all the different rules and laws mm. and all that stuff so you know so if you're here in florida and if you want the benefits of uh, of being an employee you have to be here you know in florida so there's all these little intricacies that we're working with you know there are some limitations but Man, you have to, and we are now because of the one, the, the whole year of the pandemic. You, we, you know, we figured that it's actually going to work. Um, we just yeah. have to be open-minded and teaching our clients and partners as well, because some of the big studios were very. I don't know if that's going to work, uh, you know, remote. Mm -hmm. But we're teaching them that listen, it's going to work. Let's test it out. Let's let's try with a small team, and it's working. From a yeah. perspective of someone who runs a company like yours, what would you what would you say is the biggest advantage? You know, what what kind of what kind of, you know, it's, what kind of lemonade are you able to make out of the lemons that it has been the pandemic? Like, what what's the the biggest perk advantage wise? Now that you know that it can work, what what's like what's the silver lining in your mind? I can actually get um, talent that I wouldn't have been able to get before, and I think that's been a huge thing for us because. A lot of, uh, you know, now, especially as we are growing, we, we are needing leaders. You know, we used to be able to groom leaders when we were smaller. But as you get bigger, you just realize you need to stop bringing in leaders. And because we're trying to keep a similar mentality and a similar philosophy, you know, we are pinpointing people that have similar philosophies. And a lot of these people are already so experienced in the industry. You know, they've got their own houses and a lot of them are actually moving home because they want to be closer to their parents who are getting older and they want to be close because of their families. And so now because of the pandemic, we are able, um, I, I can't believe I'm finding it positive to this pandemic, but you know, <laughs> we really need to find yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say that it hasn't been a big deal. That's my whole point is it's been a, it's been a big pain. Everyone's <laughs> rear end for sure. And in, in some cases, like a really 
big problem because people have lost loved ones. So I guess yeah. what I'm really what I'm getting at here is is like it's kind of nice. We're getting to now that we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's nice to kind of at least celebrate some of the at least Something if there has been any good that we can yes. get out of it. You know, because... and I would say that would be it because we probably brought in a few supervisors. Mm. You know who are tremendous and and I know I would not be able to bring them in before the pandemic because right. our mindset was you have to move to Florida right. and they wouldn't have moved to Florida. But because now, they were established somewhere else. They just wouldn't even want to get up. It's not about Florida, for instance. Well, it's just that they don't want to move. No, it was more yeah. about you know, them having homes or being close to family. That was the mm -hmm. big thing for, you know, uh, how, why it was so difficult for us to bring people. We've had long conversations with, you know, we've had quite a few supervisors that, you know, before the pandemic that we got close to bringing down, but because mm. of moving down here, it was tricky. <laughs> they're uh, just scared of Florida, man. That's what they're scared yeah, of. They are scared. <laughs> <laughs> Little do they know it's me. No, I'm <laughs> That's always you. Just <laughs> in different disguises. Me. I'll take That's it. Uh, Jalil, I have a, uh, another one that is let's go in a complete uh, different direction. So yeah, yeah, yeah. anyone anyone that is not familiar with what a CEO uh, is doing, <laughs> can you describe a typical day in the life of Jalil Sadul? <laughs> a typical day uh, at the uh, at the office or at home dealing with office stuff. Um, whew, there's no, wow. There's no one, there's no one thing that you do. I don't have a schedule. I do have a schedule, but I don't have a schedule. Renee will, will hurt me if I say I don't have a schedule. She builds my schedule every night <laughs> and the schedule changes every day. You know, uh, 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 half of my time is spent with, uh, usually with partners and clients. Uh, a lot of it is new clients, you know, new people. And, and I do interviews as well, you know, for, for some positions, you know, I need to be involved in there as well. But not only that, I think I'm, you know, I, I always call myself the acting CEO. I kind of fought, fell in that, in that <laughs> position. Uh, you know, I always say when the owners say, oh, yeah, this is our CEO. I'm like, ah, acting CEO, uh, uh, you know, until. That, that, that's the typical animators uh, imposter syndrome right there. <laughs> but transpose to a CEO. I, I, I just act like I'm not really it, but fine, you can call me that if you want. At yeah, the moment, I hold the title, but it's just a title. Uh, you know, I still do things. I still love to do things that I've always loved doing, you know, be on the creative side. So not only that, I'm, I'm also on projects where I'm, you know, overseeing things. And luckily, I've got a killer team. But, you know, I'm always trying to be on the creative side, you know, of projects. But for the most part, it's, it's uh, you know, people management, you know, talking to, to making sure teams are working together, solving problems on a different project, you know, sometimes a project uh, uh there's an issue with uh, with something specific sometimes it could be they're not getting delivery on time so i would be reaching out to the partners having conversations with them of how it's going to happen sometimes you know there's the amount of work is too much for what was discussed before you know so i would hop on a call with a, with a partner and we would discuss okay how do we break this down how can this work you know a lot of contracts reading you know a lot of 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 deals you know reading um yeah it's it, my my day is 
always different. You know, I do, I do though, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays do, you know, dailies on projects that I'm animation director on, you know, there are projects that I really want to work on and I just need, you know, a team that is handling the stuff that probably I'm dropping the ball, you know, <laughs> on uh, because of the other stuff. But then there's the financial side of it, right? You know, I meet with the financial team, discuss, you know, what needs to be done, what can we do, what can't we do, what's possible to do. And then I meet with HR, you know, with HR, we, we, we take care of, can we hire this person? Who needs what? Who wants what? When can we do it? Let's find the strategy there. Oh, I, I can go on and on. There's so many little things. and But then there's also things there's also things that I want to do myself. It's not always a reaction to what's happening. Sometimes you go, okay, now I got a moment to breathe here. So here's what I want to do. You know, we need to talk about a training program. We're going to talk about, you know, this and that. And, and sometimes also, you know, listen to what your supervisors are telling you. They'll be like, hey, it would be a great idea to do that. I'm like, ooh, that's a great idea. How can we plan on this? Could you mind going and coming up with this threat with a plan that pitch it to me? Well, guess what? That pitch is going to happen. It's going to take two hours of your day at some point, right? So it's, yeah, it's difficult to explain what a one day looks like, mm -hmm. but uh, I can, yeah, it's, it's very, it's always moving. I think the fact you have a hard time describing it specifically is exactly the point. I think yeah. I think it's why David kept smiling. He's it's there was a very strong sense of familiarity to the things you were saying because it's like there isn't just that one single. I don't know. I'm not a CEO, so I'm like the loner in this particular conversation there. But I do see the the kind of variety of things that are always constantly happening when I sort of see David in action, and it's just like you said, it's on. It's never the same ever. Every day is completely different, completely different colored fires, different size fires. Sometimes it's not a fire. What would you say is like the most like out of all the things? What do you think is the most stressful thing about being a CEO of a creative company like yours? It's uh, people's unhappiness. And I think that's probably the most stressful for me, uh, you know, for me. I mean, to, you know, there's always uh, there's always you can always pinpoint the reason why uh, uh, why a project didn't turn out the way it is. And you can always fix that easily. But everyone is different and everyone is in a different place at a different time. And because I, you know, I always want to be a place where people are happy to work. That's the thing that hits me the most, you know, is when I'm like, ah, drop the ball there. And you drop the ball somewhere you're trying to fix it and you drop the ball somewhere else, you know? So I'm always like hoo, 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 trying to do this. That's probably the, the thing that stresses me the most, I would say is the, the human aspect of the company. Cause I've made a lot of mistakes myself, you know, and I've learned the hard way, oh, man, I don't ever want to make that mistake. Uh, and then, then second, I mean, second one would, of course, be, you know, where is the next paycheck, you know, coming from, you know, uh, do, do I know five months from now, you know, where, you know, where it's going to be. And, uh, you know, it's only in the last two years, I would say, where we're starting to find, you know, visibility that's further than three months. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and it's only now that we're, we're seeing it. But let me tell you, for the first four or five years, we didn't, you know, it was more every three months. I, I'm always hopping. <laughs> Uh, I mean, again, I still keep the same instincts. I never want to lose that. I still want to keep my eye open for every three months because you can always lose mm -hmm. a project. Mm -hmm. And it actually did happen to us a couple months ago or last month where we lost a big project that affected some people's lives. And it was devastating, you know, for me to have to let these people know we need to put you on a pause. But it was for a short time. You know, we only did that for about two weeks. But 
even two weeks for me is 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 huge because we are not that type of a studio. You know, we are a studio that we want to always be. We want to be a unit. When a few people their lives are affected, you just you know you need to find a solutions for it that doesn't you know of course hurt more people or or or, or, or the group. But um, but yeah, I would say. There's, there's more. There's more we can go through for sure. <laughs> do you do you sometimes miss the simpler days when you were just <laughs> animating? I do. I do. <laughs> I, I I miss it. I, I love my job. I love being able to to feel like I'm 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 not changing the industry. I feel like that's way too big, but impacting the industry. You know, I feel like. I love seeing my team achieve things that I know I could never do on my own. You know, when I look at projects that we've built, you know, as much as I lived through Spice Frontier, and I'm still living through it because we're writing the second book right now, which is, I get so giddy about it when I talk about it. And, uh, but as I'm living it and then watching the short, that was not me. You know, sure, you can call me a director, but what the heck is a director? <laughs> you know, it's a product of, of incredibly talented people coming together and impressing you and you just saying that's good <laughs> you know that's all, you're, that's all you're doing right you walk in a room everybody does the hard work and you say hmm, i like this you know honestly this is this is what a director does and sometimes i hear directors say oh, i directed this one like dude shut up man <laughs> you know just come on man uh, so it's it's awesome you know when i watch it i'm always like wow that we did this we did this. This is awesome. It's better than I imagined, right? Because what I imagined, I couldn't do, you know, I, I couldn't do this, you know, so it's always exciting, you know, when you see it. So I love it. But definitely during the stressful times, I'm always wishing I just only had to worry about my next shot. I remember being at lunchtime at DreamWorks, we would complain about not getting that shot and that shot. Man, bring me back there, please, and slap that Jalil in the face. <laughs> Wake up, dude. Just do your shot. Uh, <laughs> I agree. The, the, this feeling that you have when you can just get to your to, to, to your place, just put the headphone, put some good music, and just be creative for X amount of hours and you know, just be in your own bubble and, and, and create. So... Uh, I can definitely relate to this. I wouldn't go back, but there's often those little moments that I kind of reflect. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, huh, let, let, let me go back there for a few seconds just to uh, well, en enjoy the, those moments of the past one more time. My my wife hates it, Dave, and I completely agree with you. It's, it's, you know, you have these moments and I'm trying to live it as well, you know, as we go. And my wife hates it because I... You know, Deadwood is wrapping up, right? And I was like, I, you know, do you guys need help in animation? <laughs> and they were like, yeah. So I was like, can I get some, can I, can I animate? So every night now I'm actually, you know, animating mm -hmm. on Deadwood too. I, you know, and I'm, I, I have a movie in the background. I'm just animating and it's, it's fun. Oh, I'm writing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing every evening. So put my head for headphones on or I'm watching a really bad movie in the background and uh, you know I'm just writing and just being creative so I'm able to do it but not of course during work hours I do it you know you know in the evening so, so you're a, so you're able to just un unplug Switch. and not think about everything that happened yeah. during the day or what you have to accomplish tomorrow and just be creative for a couple of hours absolutely Absolutely. But I, I can tell you the shots and or the animation that I'd love to do, like the acting pieces and the I can't 
because it requires so much of you and yourself to do an acting shot that mm. I can't, right? But, you know, for Deadwood, it's super fun. It's cartoony characters with action stuff. It's I'm able to do that without having to invest mentally, you know, into what I'm doing. So mm. that I do miss. That I do miss doing an acting shot where you just uh, bite your, you know, you know, your teeth into it. I miss that. I'm hoping when I retire, I'll do it when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> so are you actually approving your own shots or you present the shots to the supervisor and ask Ooh, good for question. approval? <laughs> That's um, a juicy one. <laughs> that is a juicy one. Um, I I am approving my own shots, but 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 <laughs> I've learned I've learned that you know you actually uh, uh, game design is what really needs to approve it because you know you can make something look really cool, but if it, if it doesn't work in the game, it doesn't. So I'm always when I present it, I was like, I like it, but does it actually work in the game? Mm. <laughs> and uh, you know, our lead animator as well, you know, he's he's amazing, Bob, and, and I love you, Bob. Hi, Bob. Bob is awesome. He's you know he and I know he's always worried about when he sends me my shot. And he's like, um, it needs to be done, like. Whenever, whenever, I was like, Bob, just tell me, when do you need it? He goes, tomorrow? And I'm like, get it tomorrow. He goes, oh, my God, thank you so much. I, was, I didn't know how to tell you this. I was like, dude, just tell me when you need it. Uh, uh, no, it's great. Yeah, that's another thing with, with with your kind of position. Unfortunately, too often people kind of put you on a, a pedestal and they're hesitant to be, you know, truthful or very transparent and, and candid. Uh, and that's something that you have to realize that you and that's something that, you know, uh, you know, famous actor or anyone that has a, a, a level of, of fame is going through that there is this aura around you that you don't even realize it anymore. But yeah. people are adjusting what they're telling you, how they're going to tell it. And, and, and that's something to be definitely to be careful with and to remind people, no, dude, I, I'm just... I'm just, as you said, the acting CEO. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm part of the team. Let, let me know what, what do you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing to, to, you know, to balance. And I, I used to say, I think my, my supervisor and, and head of departments now will laugh at me because within the first year or two, I had a conversation with them, and I'd say, and apparently I said it like that. I said, no, I'm not your friends, and, uh, and I. <laughs> I'm playing with a piece of Lego right now, as I'm saying, because I'm so embarrassed to say it, but they're laughing right now they're watching this. And they always remind me of that. They said, you know, you said you were not our friends. And, and I know what mindset I was in because I was in the very mindset of if I cross the line of being your friend, when you ask me for time off or I, I don't know as a company owner, if I'm trying to be strict and build a studio, I, I will feel I will feel awkward. And because emotional, I, I get triggered by emotional states, you know, and because I care. If you ask me time off, I will probably hurt the studio to be able to get you that time off. So mm. I, because I'm so emotionally driven that I decided, you know what, maybe I need to lock myself out of friendship at the studio and just be alone and just be the villain or the good guy or whatever. Right. So I did put myself in that position for a long time where I said, I need, you know, we hang out and a lot of stuff, but a friendship is a different thing, you know, I, but you can't fight it. 
<laughs> you can't find it. Today I get laughed at by all my HODs and 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 Renee and that Chris. They all be like, "Dude, we're your friend, man. Shut up. We are we're your friend." I was like, "Yeah, you are." And they tell me how upset they were when I told them I was not their friends back then. But yeah. you learn, you adapt. I'm finding a balance now. I know. Okay, this is friendship. You know, and there's a respect of if you say, "Hey, we can't take time off." You know, you need to know how to say it. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. you can't be the person's friend. You can mm-hmm. still be the person's friend and just know how you say it. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. learn, right? You just learn. Yeah, it, it just reinforces your theory of being the acting CEO. You know, you tried a role, realized eventually it. that, you know what, yeah. the narrative that I thought that I had to create, no, not necessary. <laughs> Let's have friends again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be friends again. Now, actually, Walker, I do tell people more, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I use the word love a lot, you know, because I, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I wonder if you have the opposite problem with we take some of your own shot or take some shots yourself. Cause it's one thing to be like, you know, do you prove your own shots? But the whole other thing is, do you disapprove of your own shot? I think that that would be another hard thing. Cause it's like, if you're in that untouchable yeah. bubble, I can see that being kind of a bit of a vicious circle. Cause I mean, most animators I know will not ever let go of their shot unless someone tears it out of their like dead fingers. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, and no, so dude, I, there's that I problem take, too, I'm sure. I don't take any of the good stuff. I don't take any of the good okay. stuff. You, you, there's no way, you know, for me, I uh, <laughs> I would always assign the good stuff to the good mm-hmm. animators. Mm-hmm. You know, I am not a good animator anymore. I haven't animated it. I will struggle to get a good shot out the door. Mm-hmm. I remember me when I was hungry and animating. I, I was a, you know, I was a monster, <laughs> you know, that loved it, cared about everything I do. I don't as much anymore. I'm going to... Can I swear on this thing? Do it. Sure. I will totally fuck up the shot, right? And <laughs> and I, so I don't want to do that. And so for me, it's better to just give it to an animator who can mm. do it, who loves it, who you know will care about it, because that's not me. Uh, I do care. I'm not going to tell you I don't care, but my I'm, I'm limited. Yeah. You know, you, my you skill play. level, my brain cells, where I am right now. I'm animating at 11 p.m. There's so much I know. I know myself. I know my limits. I wouldn't take a good shot because i will fuck it up i think um you know it's it's uh it's crazy because like the um well i, I totally david you, you go go with something because i totally forgot what i was gonna say that sucks. <laughs> uh you said something uh, Julia, uh earlier that was along the line of you know having an an, an impact on the uh, on the industry um i'm curious to have your perspective on where do you see it uh, evolve in the next uh few years so let's say we project ourselves because we can agree that from the moment that we started to where we are now with you know the uh, remote work and you know especially now the pandemic that kind of pushed everything uh, for a couple of years let's say we continue on this path how how do you see this, the um, the industry evolve in the t- next 10 15 20 years of how it is to manage the studio production people tools uh, any any insights of what, how you think it's going to evolve it's a big, big conversation, right? We can spend quite a bit of time. But, uh, you know, listen, Dave, you know, uh, I'm sure Brent, you too, you know, have, you know, having left the industry and having left the, not the industry, but, 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 the, but the studios where your world is in, in a certain bubble and, uh, you know, having been able to, 
to be in a different type of a bubble now where I'm talking to executives, talking to other studios, listening, you know, I'm all about just listening and going, whoa, what's going on? And, you know, having this conversation about cost of movies and, and uh, you know, where, where the cost is going now and how, pr what producers are looking for and quality, you know, versus uh, uh, the amount of, of, of uh, fi you know, financials, budget versus quality. It's a scary place to be at the moment, but exciting also. It's scary, I think, for the big studios. You know, what happened to Blue Sky? And, you know, I am hearing things about other big studios that worries me. And, uh, you know, there are things that I'm seeing a shift in, uh, in, in budget, in budgets for making feature films, especially and how things are being treated. You know, when I hear companies talking to me going, you know, this is the budget we have for this film. I go, why are they spending that much money, you know, over there? And then I just hear, whoa, they are laying off and the company shuts down. I'm like, I knew that. I kind of knew that because I kind of I kind of saw that, but I didn't raise my hand and say, "Hey guys, it's happening." And let me tell you, I'm I'm hearing it, and I'm and it's gonna happen. I do feel, 10, 15 years from now, the the the, the big studios will need to change their mindset quite a bit, and I think costs will have to drop quite a bit. You know, talking to talking to a lot of people, the cost of making movies don't cost as much anymore. Keep in mind. We are, CG animation is only 20 years old, right? People that at the very beginning is still here. Mm -hmm. And their mm -hmm. rates are so high that some of the big studios, they are, they are so top heavy because you're still paying them to make your movies. But guess what? Studios that are younger don't have that top heavy people that have not retired yet. In that are so expensive and i'm seeing this going oh my god why are we so cheap much cheaper to make a feature film than some of the bigger studios is we are seeing it right and so there's going to be a lot of toppling happening a lot of changes happening uh but the good thing on the good side is there's a, the demand is also bigger so it's not like all these big studios might topple they might do less movies or they might start to shift more towards especially tv content now it's very very uh exciting to see how that's where that's going but i think because of the demand a lot of studios like us agora you know steve roller we will have chances to be making you know bigger content at a lower cost which could hurt the big studios if we maintain quality I'm not saying I'm going to be able to top all the big studios, but my goal is to maintain quality. You know, I want to rival the big studios, and I think we are rivaling the big studios, and I want to keep that, and I want to maintain that. But the cost for us to make the same project is much lower. As an exec, yeah. you're talking to me going, I want more of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a big democratization uh, with the, the remote work. We talked about it. So now studios are like, wait, I don't need to pay for people to come over here so I can yeah. go in places that there's amazing artists that are less expensive and, and can I, I can have them take uh, control, you know, with remote desktop of the computer that I have over here and still have security measures. The, the tools that, I mean, we're just looking at what uh, they're doing with the Unreal and the visual uh, capacity. So the tools are improving, the democratization, the big studio, they, they had the monopoly because it used to be very expensive and complex to, to do an animated feature. But to your point, it, it gets 
every year it gets more accessible Cheaper, for yeah. everyone. So we can literally today and there's not literally today a group of people could decide that we're going to start a company. We're going to leverage all, let's say, like the Amazon Nimble Studio and all those online tools that already exist. We're going to find partners to assemble their movie. And within a, a couple months of creation, you can go on and have your production. Maybe some will figure out some clever ways of using uh, crowdsourcing, maybe it's like, okay, there's a pool of work to be done. Who wants to be doing what? And here's the price tag of every little task that, that there is uh, to do. Um, so th there is the technological side with uh, also a, a AI. And, you know, you start to see tools that are basically taking a video, analyze it and retarget this animation on a uh, CG uh, character. Uh, so that's that. Uh, that's one thing. So on the tool side and on how we organize the the the, the work with, it's almost like everyone all of a sudden is joining the the the, the party. So how is this going to? And you know, we we say it go fast, but it, it takes time. Uh, big studios still have some uh, leverage, but if we're looking at a 10, 15, 20 years, uh, I think it's going to be very different of how you manage everyone that is on your uh, production and what will be considered an animation studio in the sense of how it is for us. How it is made. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the one sad part of it is, is the, is, you know, when you watch the behind the scenes in movies, you know, everybody's sitting around the storyboards and, you know, you're watching this, you know, the director is pitching it, you know, but that is definitely something that's going away it's much more difficult you know to do that nowadays because with stuff like zoom and and uh, you know all of these you know you can actually do almost a similar thing but you don't have that over the shoulder you know looking at somebody over the shoulder and helping them to you know to 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 be creative and and, and pointing something at you know pointing something that that's not working so yeah i think there's there's a beauty in about in working at a big studio that i think will go away at some point. I, I, mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. You know, my brain is no longer broken um, from <laughs> from earlier. It's I'm just hearing you talk, Jalil, it's interesting because I really feel like, um, you know, you said how you used to be a monster and you used to just gobble up shots and you just couldn't get enough of all the little details. It's clear that you're still a monster, but you're just operating on a completely different level. It's like as opposed to tweaking the overlap on an animation. Now you're tweaking what person, what, what you know, what team member should be on this team to to perfectly round it out. And like you're there's the just the, the switches and knobs that you were pulling around are now just different and in different places and in a completely different level of abstraction, which I, I it's very clear that you've just found a new game to play, you know. I don't agree. I don't disagree. I know the team's laughing at me right now. So <laughs> they probably say, yes, he hasn't changed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Brent, do we have anything from chat? I see that. Uh, there were some questions. I can scroll up, uh, but I would imagine chat, um, if you're listening, which you probably are, uh, now's a really sure. good time to drop some questions. In, in the in the meantime, uh, I have uh, one last one for uh, Jaleel. So from from your expectation, Jaleel, of what it is to run a studio to the reality, what is the uh, the the difference between both? Um, it takes. This can be both both on the good side or the bad side. Um, it takes. I mean, the bad side would be it takes um, much longer for anything you plan, you know, to happen, and uh, you know, and there's always uh, you know the the expectation was 
for me, you know, that we would be getting to feature animation sooner, uh, you know, than where we are. You know, uh, the pandemic happened; it did slow things down. It, but then when it started again, we kind of picked back up where we were. Uh, uh, but I think the reality of it is, you need to be very good at, at adapting to survive. You know, in this industry, you have to make sure you're listening uh, to to everything around you. You know, for me, I just love just like talking to people and, and just learning about how things are working somewhere else. And as you listen, you can learn, okay, this is what I'm hearing. And the nature of my job, you know, probably you as well, Dave, is as you talk to, you know, all these company heads and company owners and execs, you get a painting. It's like, you know, you're, you, the fog of war goes away, right? You're playing World of Warcraft, you know, or, or not World of Warcraft, you're playing Warcraft. Uh, you know, the fog of war goes away and you start seeing the map and it starts to take shape and, and you can't stop doing that, I think. And uh, so, yeah, comparing the two, I would say the reality is still a bit of a dream. Uh, sorry, the reality is not the dream that the expectation, you know, is. But, you know, if you have good instincts, they come close. If you have good instinct, they, you know, they, they'll be able to come close. I do have a question here I can queue up. Um, it was right here. Is there a specific reason why you picked Florida for the studio? Uh, apologies if this has already been covered, which it hasn't been covered. So whoever asked this question, uh, it's, it's a perfect question. So, yeah, yes. why, why Florida? Because Florida is amazing. It's like <laughs> beautiful. It's uh, it's. I haven't uh, been there in a long time. Whereabouts in Florida are you? Are you like Miami region, or are you like whereabouts are you? Uh, we are in. Uh, we are about uh, thirty minutes north of Orlando. We are in a small oh, okay. town called called Mount Dora. It's beautiful. Okay. Well, okay. The, 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 that was a lie, but uh, you know, I, no, 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 it wasn't a lie. Florida <laughs> is beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's a lie because his entire company is in the witness protection program, and he cannot tell anybody where he is. <laughs> I can't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, uh, no, the specific there is a specific reason, uh, and that's because my two uh, business partners, actually three business right. partners, actually four business partners now. <laughs> Uh, 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 you know, we we uh, all from from uh, three of them are from Florida, oh, okay. and uh, you know when Keith and Adam mm. started the company, uh, and they invited me to join, uh, they were moving back home, both of them. Uh, well, actually, Adam lived here with his family, and uh, Keith wanted to move back home, so that was the, that was the main reason. I think when I came down here. My wife and I, you know, we adapt easily, you know, we've traveled the world, you know, I've lived, you know, in, again, I'm from Mauritius, I lived in Singapore, you know, I lived okay. in New Zealand, you know, I lived in, you know, in Pennsylvania, and then LA, and then here. So uh, we adapt, you know, uh, yeah. well, but Florida was great for us because it reminded us a lot of home. Yeah, sure. You're built for this climate, right? Like, it's just, like, it just feels like home. Yeah, I just cool. love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Any misconception that you had about Florida before getting there? No, I learned about it here. When I came here, I was like, why do people, so people don't like this place? They're like, well, we're Florida men. And then there's this and that. I'm like, wait, but I don't get it. I, you know, I, I don't, mosquitoes don't bother me. Gators are in lakes. And, I, you know, I, it, you they hope don't, they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they don't bug me. You as long know, as they mosquitoes. stay in the water. Stay in the yeah exactly. Uh, again, I'm I'm very easygoing when it comes to 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 that stuff, and I love the weather. I love rain. You know, I love the sun. I love the beaches. I love proximity and of all that stuff. And yeah, um, I I have a question that uh, is sort of kind of related, and it's, I don't th I don't think you covered this. So 
like in it maybe this is too much of a personal question so by by all means deflect it if you yeah, need to but but so the the people that you founded the company with were associates they were they did you work with them in the past how did you know each other and then when you when you found like when you found a company when a bunch of people decide to create something right like co- incorporate and have you know you know some sort of distribution of shares there is usually executives have to be appointed and you were appointed the ceo i'd be curious why were you appointed CEO in your mind? Did like because obviously that was a conversation. Like I'm there sure that you, know, you, yeah. Well, I'm sure there was. I mean, I thought that's why it's very personal. So if it's if it's too personal, a question it's super fine. But I'm yeah. sure that that's interesting. Like how like I'm sure there's people in chat that are just curious. How does that mechanism work? Because it's go it's it's, it's a big leap. There's a lot of things that happen between having the idea of making a company and then actually the paperwork, the decisions. And there's things that people have no visibility yeah. on that I'm sure you didn't even going into it. And then now, you know, because you, you're on the other side. So I'm just curious, can you give us a teeny little glimpse of what it was like uh, to sort of cross that bridge of, OK, we have an idea. We want to found a company. And then what kind of things need to happen? And then one of those things, of course, was you being appointed CEO. Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you right now, uh, a lightning in a bottle, uh, you know, <laughs> sure. it's, it's very much that, and it's only in height in hindsight that I can talk about it. It's definitely not something that I could have talked about it before and said, Oh, I've got a plan. I know how this works. You know, there's no way. Uh, well, my two business partners, uh, from the very start now, of course we have Phil and Aaron as well. Uh, but with Keith and Adam, you know, Keith and I worked together at Weta. We worked, okay, uh, we worked, yeah, we worked together during the whole production of Avatar. We got to see, you know, we, we, you know, we were, we were acquaintances. We were, we became friends, you know, there, but we were never like close friends. You know, Keith and I enjoyed the same type of games. We would you mm-hmm. know, talk about it, but we were never close friends. And, and, you know, I always say that don't team up with your best friends. You know, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of did now. <laughs> You know, I brought one of my best friends here. Aaron is here, but but don't you know? It's it's not something that you sit on a couch, you're watching a movie. Hey, we should make a movie. Yeah, dude, let's do it. Let's do it. Don't do that. Don't, be, don't you know? Don't build a company like that, right? You got to pick people that you know have a similar work ethic, mm. you know, as you. And uh, Keith and I, you know, when we were at Weta, a group of us decided to make a short film, you know, and that's what we were doing. But everybody's lives, you know, got in the way, which made sense, you know, because we were working on a big project when we were there. Uh, but in the end, it was me and Keith, you know, at the end, still working on that project, just the two of us. And we realized we were just, our wives were very forgiving, first of all. Uh, but we were workaholics. So when I went, when I was at DreamWorks and Keith came to visit and he said he was leaving, I remember saying, and he and Keith was a, was a pipeline TD at that time. He had a skill that I had no idea. Mm. You know, he was a pro, he was a brilliant, still a brilliant programmer. I mean, he's running a division of the company now. Uh, I don't think he programs anymore. He probably still does. But mm-hmm. I knew if I attached myself to somebody that smart and that brilliant and who knows something that I don't know, mm. it we could be successful together. It was more of a of a marriage by <laughs> for you know we were like this is a business yeah this is a business deal you know I'm gonna marry my daughter with your son or your daughter yeah, and then, uh, you know it's a strategic move right yeah so and uh, I'm glad it worked out mm. and when I came here and I met my third uh, you know business partner Adam the guy is you know probably the 
best soul I've ever met. You know, he's a, just a great human being. Adam, don't, yeah, whatever. I know you're listening right now, but he, you know, he just, <laughs> you know, he, he was just this person that they all say that I came for Keith, but I stayed for Adam. And, you know, you should make a t shirt that says that. It's perfect. I, I totally should. And, and, and Adam was just a person who he was not savvy in the world of animation. He, he was, mm. he was a very passionate person. He's, he owned his own uh, graphic design company. He was a graphic designer by heart. So he understood marketing more than any of us. It's another and, thing that we didn't have. And understood how to run a company. So that was huge. How to run a company exactly so uh just a smart you know two smart human beings you know mm -hmm. so when we got together of course i was more of the alpha you know of the group and conversations were happening but there was a respect between the three of us mm -hmm. because none of us were the two of them were, were close friends they were best friends i don't think they were best friends. they were close friends but there was a respect between each other both mm -hmm. of them actually had a company way in the past when they were kids they had a mm -hmm. low lower company oh, you know, yeah. together so they've done business no together they get it so bringing me on board it was a natural progression i remember when it happened we were talking about we need to give ourselves titles we were never about titles we were like mm. we are all just owners we're doing this yeah. i remember standing there <laughs> on the grass and we had about seven, we were about eight or nine people mm. at that point and uh, keith and adam were there by me and keith was like hey adam and i were talking i think you you fit more to be the ceo this is mm -hmm. you, you talk like a ceo you think like what <laughs> you're the bossy one around i think you should <laughs> yeah you're the alpha therefore it's the it's a predetermined decision it's as you, predetermined. you win. And, yeah. I, and i remember going okay but <laughs> I, I think i just want to be the active yeah. ceo right now <laughs> and i remember yeah. saying that at that point i was like all right i just i just carry the title for yeah. now until yeah. we find somebody that can do and it. and here you are five years later and here i am almost seven years later oh seven that's uh, right jeez that's right. That's and, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm or I already have my exit strategy. I'm not going to talk about it yet, but, but I, have it. I have it. Well, because your partners are listening and they're making them nervous right now by just saying exit. They don't even no, want to no, hear no, you no. say the word exit. The word is, sorry, step down strategy. Uh, no, they, okay. they, they, know, they know it. They know it. We've already talked about it. Okay. Okay. So if you guys are listening, you can, you can, you can hang up the call for with your lawyers. It's okay. Everything's fine. Just, just stepping <laughs> down. Just, for, for, just, just to be clear. That's awesome. I'm not going anywhere. I love this company. I'm going to always be a part of it. Uh, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, I just, you know, I feel, you know, you need to be, you need to be, how to say, you need to be, uh, uh, you know, as an owner, I know sometimes my ideas could be stale, you know, maybe I need to sometimes be on the on the on the sideline and bring someone that I feel, man, I love your ideas. You got to be able to pinpoint that as a company owner, because yeah. it's not just it's not just it. I'm not just a CEO that's getting paid by a company owner. Mm -hmm. I'm also the company owner. At yeah. one point, I'm like, I've done this for seven mm -hmm. years. My ideas are stale. I've used everything I can. So let me bring mm -hmm. someone that I feel has fresh. New oh, ideas. yeah. I think that's the key to being a like a, to a, being a good leader and a, a good company owner is if you can get very good at spotting good ideas, no matter who it comes from, 
and and then and then mobilizing the power of the machinery that is the studio to make it happen then that makes everyone everyone wins and now you're because if you're a ceo that's got their head down all the time they're not even listening to the good they're ideas not. because they're yeah. too busy yeah I brought up the question here, which I think is interesting. And it's it's funny because as you were talking, you touched on this a little earlier about, you know, as you grow, it gets difficult. The, the, the bigger the, the, the company gets, the more difficult it becomes because of all the things, right? It's like it's harder to make personal connections. It's harder to make sure that everyone and you said something that was really, you know, really quite you know, it resonated in my mind, at least this this concept that you have to be careful. The, the bigger you get, the more careful you need to become. I'd be when you hire someone. And I think there's a reason why a lot of game companies, especially down in the States, they have become very famous for their long day long interviews. Right. It's because I think they're trying to do the same thing. It's like yes. they they don't have the time to to constantly be um, cultivating the culture. You set the culture and you hope that it stays on that track that you set up. And the easiest way of doing that is by bringing people on that are already pre sort of they're already aligned with that track. So, you yes. know, that they're going to suddenly fraction the culture and become some sort of subculture that became becomes antagonistic, antagonistic with with some of the other energies and some of the other personalities in the team. So I guess this question goes to that point. Like what kind of mechanisms have you used or what kind of philosophies and sort of techniques have you used as you've gotten bigger to mitigate some of the strain that that comes with growing quickly because yeah. when it, you know because you have to now suddenly you can't be as careful with the interviews because it's like it's you just you need to get people in, on board like what have you done like in your mind to help sort of solve that problem i would say there's one thing that i always do and and, and i love being in most interviews because you know I, I do think that way but but you know now my head of departments having worked so close with them they mm -hmm. they, they they pick that up as well and they they do the same thing so for me when I'm in an interview, you know, I know this person, I probably will not be working directly with this person. And, and, and for me, what's important is thinking of the people I know that that person will be working with under or by. Do they fit? And I honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, I go through my head of the whole team and I go, will this person work with this person, this person? Ooh, there'll be a clash there. That will be a clash of, of, but if you do that, you'll realize that eventually you want to always be, yep, this person fits everybody. Yep, this, because if everybody you, you bring in fits, every new person you bring in automatically will just fit because if you've always been doing this and yep. we've done this as much as we can, we have failed and it's proven, you know, bad, you know, sometimes when you bring somebody who just doesn't fit, you know, for us, one thing is ego needs to be at the door. You know, this will be, this will be a place where you'll come in. It's run like the enterprise, you know, I will sit down, my whole team will be there, not the whole team, but all the head of departments and we will listen. It's the best idea that will win. I don't care if it's my idea. I, I really don't care. It's what's best for the people, the project, the quality, you know, that's what we're going to go with. So if you, if somebody comes here and they are not about, they don't think that way, mm. it's always their idea, they won't fit. And by the questions you ask them in the interview, you, you know, you can pinpoint that out. But mm. if you always have your team in mind in every interview, always have your team in mind, at least the team they'll be working with, of course, you can't do this with 150 people, mm -hmm. but at least the team you know they're going to be working with, I think for the most part, you will be successful. If you're always thinking that way, I mean, you know, I've I've ended interviews, you know, halfway through just because I'm like, how uh, do you? I was, 
Yeah. I was going to ask that. I was going to ask that. Like, have you, have you ever felt like right away in the interview, you know, it's not a good fit or have you ever, have you ever hired anybody that you realized afterwards? Oh, that was a really big mistake. Yes, absolutely. I've made massive mistakes. We bring people <laughs> that just didn't fit in. Yeah. Not because they were bad, you know, it's no. just, they've got different ways of thinking and values. It doesn't just, yep. we are in a ruthless industry. Oh you know, man, I know. It's ruthless and not everybody can survive it. And yep. sometimes you bring in people that they just don't, they don't know there's a level of mistakes you will make in this and you need a yep. level of grace to be able yep. to survive through it. And, uh, and, uh, but sometimes, yeah, you do bring people that just don't have that mindset and, yep. uh, it just doesn't work out. I talk about this all the time. Like I, I notice like big companies that have these big projects and, they, and it becomes very difficult because as a, as a, as a project ships, um, like if, if you're a multi-project studio like Ubisoft and like all these really big companies like that, what ends up happening is there's always that awkward moment where now there's people that are from a different team culture because different teams have different cultures, right? And so then these people are now free and there's the expectation, of course, from HR and just from like just on an executive level that we, we want to reallocate these re resources. And that becomes very hard because just because they work for the company doesn't mean they're a good fit for that project. And then how do you, how do you mitigate that problem? Right? Because now it's like, so, you know, either in the, it's the big companies that really struggle with this the most because they yeah. they tend to be a little bit more aggressive with the hiring and they don't necessarily understand what like the actual core culture is. You know what I mean? Like maybe they haven't identified it. It's a and they haven't to that. Yeah. Yes. They're disconnect. Absolutely. So you can end up with these really, like you talked about tribes, you know, I don't know if there was in our pre-conversation if we talked about it uh, in this in the stream, but this idea of these fraction tribe-like sort of you know groups that start happening in studios, uh, that that is guaranteed when you actually end Absolutely. up with hiring for specific cultural needs to sort of to fuel a project that then ships one day, and now these people have to find new tribes to, yeah. to fit in with, and that's not always a thing that can happen easily. No, and and you know, Brent, what you just said is absolutely right. Bigger studios have a huge oh, disconnect, man. you know, and and, and and again, I don't blame them, you know, going no, through what hard. we are going right now, it's so hard to do. Yeah, and I mm. can't promise you we won't get there. You know, I don't mm. think I want to be one of these big studios, but again, mm. I said I, I want to be at thirty-five one day. You know, once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, so hard, but hard. I would tell, yeah, but I tell you right now, it's it's one of these things that you. What was my point? I forgot. But we were talking about yeah, you, yeah, yeah just, growth. Yeah, you're you're wow. saying how you, you you said you didn't want to get that big, but it's it's challenging when you do, and you don't blame big companies for having those kind of struggles when they become big. But you're that's, that was the tangent you were on, but I'm not too sure exactly. That was the tangent I was on, and I completely forget. I'm sure it was <laughs> profound, and it was going to melt all of our brains. And oh, now, sure way to go, Jay! Like, okay, you, you robbed us of that perfect moment. I'm gonna but get it again. It's gonna come. You, but something that we mentioned, uh, I think, it was in the pre pre discussion, is how you know it's already difficult to kind of create culture within a small group of 10, mm. 15, 20 people, but to maintain the same. Uh, the same culture as you go to 150, 200, 250. That's a that's a very big uh, challenge. That there's a very few studio uh, that that are able to to uh, to implement th this kind of culture that will that will kind of permeate to everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. In and these. The tribe stuff is very real and, you know, we have it as well. You know, we feel it sometimes. And it's if you have the, the mindset of when we hire somebody, we never think of them for only a specific project. You know, mm. we do think of them as a department. You know, we go, OK, this person will be in the animation department. So for the most part, they'll be dealing with these, you know, that team. Uh, we try. We don't hire per project. 
you know, typically, you know, we, we, I don't think we've ever hired a project, you know, we, have we? Maybe. But for the most part, when we bring someone on board, we bring them because they, we want them to jump from one project to the other, to the other, to the other. So they need to be able to adapt, you know, if they're an artist or if they are, you know, in production, if they're a programmer, they need to be able to adapt. Uh, uh, so then to your question, to your worry there, Brent, because we hire that way, We've already planned ahead that this mm. person will be hopping from one project to the other. Now, yeah. we have gotten to a point with some uh, team members where we felt, okay, well, uh, this person, we've tried them in a few different style of, of projects and it didn't work out. They can only fit in that specific project. We've had that as well, but luckily, we've been having you know enough diversity you know from our clients that we can keep them you know employed. but Another thing that we've been learning to do is also um, uh, also expand uh, the skill sets. You know, we've had some animators that we knew were struggling in some places, but they were technically savvy, and they were they were good with cameras. So we were like, oh, let's train them into becoming more the layout side, or mm. and they find a new place where they want to be. Not always does it work, but a lot of times we've seen success there as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brent, I think we have, yeah, we still have time for one last question. I was, yeah, uh, I have one, I have one my eyes are on, but you, I've picked the last bunch. So if you have one that you want to bring up, then it's all you. Does it start with what? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, good. I knew it. I figured you'd like that one too. So here's a juicy one for you. Bring Enjoy it. So what are some sacrifices you've had to make along the way to make this happen? <laughs> As his head droops in despair, I, I, I calculate a couple, one or two at least. Uh, wow. Well, um, you know, family for sure. You know, time with my daughter. Okay. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Uh, it gets, it's, it's tough always to talk about that. Um, you know, because yeah, that's definitely something that people don't see what's going on the, the, yeah. behind the, the scene. It's not just the amount of hours that you have to, to put in, but it's just the constant mental pressure so sometimes you're even with your family and you're trying to be there as much as you can but your mind is just in a hundred yeah, different, different places and I that's think, not always easy to manage yeah hearing you know when my daughter got to 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 you know when when she was young it was it was okay i mean i'm not saying it was right you know it was okay uh you know but when she got to a point where she could start talking and formulating mm -hmm. her own thoughts and mm -hmm. you know she questions me you know she comes to me and say papa you worked all day it's time oh Can yeah we spend some time oh together? man i know you know and... right in the belly when they do that right yes it's just, just horrible, right in the belly right? you're on your phone checking slack and she looks at you and she kind of gives you the whole daddy you said you were gonna you were, we were gonna play and i'm like i know i totally know i just I just let me just and it's like there's these moments that you have i have to have a rule where it's like the phone has to go be left in my office for at least a couple hours at like around dinner time Otherwise, I will just feel like the worst dad all the time. Yeah. yeah. And trust yeah. me, I feel like that all the time. But how old is your uh, daughter, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, she's turning eight soon. So she's okay. seven. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, uh, yeah, it's it's very much one of these. How old is your daughter? I just saw your she's, daughter. She, yeah, she's five. She's five. Oh, my God. She's yeah. adorable. Um, she's all right. 
I think we're oh, gonna keep her. She's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna keep her. She, she's she's still under trial. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't thrown the receipt away yet, so there's still a chance that I could bring her back to the store. It's funny. I I, I just as soon as those words left my mouth, I thought, you know, there's a future version of her who's being able to watch this video one day and be like, Dad, you're a bit of a dick. That's serious. Like, why would you say something like that? It was, I was just joking. I love you. What are you talking about? Yeah. I love her. She knows I love her to death. She's my entire universe. Same here. You know, one thing that I've learned is when you spend time with your kid in in this job, in, in my position, you every moment I have with my daughter, I want to look at her in the eye and mm. pay complete attention. Yeah, like uh, be, be present, right? Like you 100%. have to be 100%. And I try to be 110. And yeah. uh, my wife hates it because uh, I would sometimes go, can you hold on a second? Oh, and I know. I would... <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, and man. She, I, eats, I she goes, I'm equal. And yeah, that, yeah. no, oh, I, that's funny. I also didn't have you. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but I'm like, come on, but you understand, you get me more, you've been with yeah. me longer, but her, she doesn't. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I caught myself last time I was mm -hmm. in a meeting, you know, and luckily I was on Zoom and my daughter came and said something. I said, can you guys hold on a second? And I mute myself and listen to her because the rare time she talks to me, I need to give her the attention because you know what? Yeah. The day is going to happen. She's Hugs. not going to fucking want to talk totally. to me. Totally. That day so, haunts me. It haunts, it haunts me. me. Bro, I know, just, dude. I totally feel cool. you right now. We're having a moment. The three of us dads are having yes. a real moment. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, uh, everybody in chat. They're all like, I don't even have a kid. I dude. have no idea. Well, one day you'll get it. You'll yeah. go back and watch this video and look at the look on our faces with like tears welling up in our eyes. You'll totally get it. You will 100% get it. I, I oh, cannot man. tell you, you know, it's how it, I, and I told my wife, I said, when, when, when my daughter's name is Rumi, I said, when Rumi is ready to leave the house, mm. I am leaving. I am going, I'm <laughs> following, you know, I, I just, oh, I said, you're leaving. <laughs> I am, you're going to be I'm, in the bushes, just making I'm sure she's going to be okay. Yeah. And if she's in Paris, I will be in a city, a side, yeah. you know, like yeah. an hour yeah, away. Yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. want to be an hour away. I don't yeah, want to be yeah. super far. I don't want to yeah, be super yeah. close because that's yeah. not right. You don't want to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't but, want a helicopter parent, but you want to be know, accessible. But I want to be accessible, you know, mm. every weekend, every Mondays, every Tuesdays, yeah, every absolutely. Wednesday. Thursdays, you know, <laughs> every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because I have the same policy as you saw. Because she came in, I just muted and I just took care of what she needed. It's I kind of try to involve her in my little world wherever possible because you know at the end of the day, and this is this the other interesting like dimension to this is with the pandemic, we as as families have all had to adapt with that, like the intermingling of the family life and the work life because. It's like you don't get to separate it physically anymore if you're working from home. It's like yeah. those things are, oh, they terrible. coexist yeah. no matter what. So you yeah. got to find a way of balancing that somehow. Otherwise, because like you said, a young, a, long, a young kid can't, like they don't know. They don't have that. They don't have a life experience to be able to measure the relativity there. Like they don't under, there was no real life before the pandemic. The pandemic is the reality. They don't, you know, I, I, for the longest time, I felt really bad about the pandemic for, for Sequoia. That's my daughter's name, where it's sort of like, man, like it just, it's too bad that she doesn't get to go and do the things I used to be able to do when I was a kid. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you realize just how resilient kids are. And Super. also they're not, they're not, they're not burdened by this other past life experience. It is, it is what it is. You know what I yeah. mean? And, 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 and it's and scary kids, too, because they adapt so fast that they will adapt with your absence. 
And that's what scares me. I'm like, oh my God, she's going to get used to me not being around. And she's going to adapt. Dad was never around. He was always working. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. It, it, yeah it, it is something that, you know, right now, every moment I get, I want to spend time with her where we talk. I love talking to my daughter. I love talking about, you know, we have our little moment every, you know, every other night or so, you know, where we would, you know, I would be putting her to bed and we, we tell stories, you know, and I, I created this fantasy world for her for the last two years that we live in, you know, you know why I'm bald because a lightning hit me in the head by this name, you know, and oh, there's, there's, you know, why I wear glasses because of this unicorn laser, you know, and there was always something, you know, there was always this world. So, and I have objects that I showed her. So she lived in it to the point where she was asking my mom, uh, her grandmother. <laughs> About the day you, you got hit by lightning. <laughs> yeah, did you did you really let Amazing. him go when he was 13? You know, and, and these things. So it's only the last couple of months where I had to teach my daughter about the imagination bubble because she's starting to bring the, the you know, Lily, the mermaid that I met. She, she tells her friends, my dad met a mermaid. And so I, you know, I need, so I needed to teach her what an imagination bubble is. So now right. she kind of understands, <laughs> you've been lying to me, but mm. I have to do it so that I don't break her imagination, you know, and but it was anyways. Yeah. yeah. I can and keep I, talking I think, about that for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. Something I've been trying to, to do as well on my side is explain, because, you know, we, we still have the, we're not lawyers, we, we work in animation. So, you know, whether it's video game or animated feature or looking at some of the project that we worked on when we were at, at DreamWorks, there's definitely a connection that we have uh, with kids. So just, you know, me making my office uh, accessible when they want to play, just asking, you so know, if they're asking, hey, what about your day? I'm going to talk about whatever we are uh, uh, working uh, working on. And now my, my son is now 12 years old. So we're developing our, our, a little game with uh, Agora. So each time there's a new build, Hey, test it out, and you know it's a very uh, kind of casual game, totally fine for 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 kids. So he plays it, gives me advice. Hey, what about this idea? This idea? Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Kind of you know designing little character of maybe we could include oh, it in awesome. the, the game. So it, at the beginning. Um, not so much, but as they're growing, you, you try to make them understand the, the, the world that you're kind of in on a professional level and that it, it's, it, it doesn't completely mitigate the, the, the fact that you don't have as much time as you'd like to, to, to have always uh, with them. But at least it's almost like they feel that they are a little bit part of this big thing of the world yeah of your world yeah my daughter has picked up stop motion animation and, and it's crazy like she starts to like you know she got that on the ipad and she's been doing little animations with it and she shows me you know and look what, look what i did and then yeah. i hear her talk to her friends you know I, I, i'm gonna be an animator and i want to teach animation yeah. uh, i mean last story i'm gonna say here but you know i was animating on deadwood about three four weeks ago and my daughter comes by and I'm doing this animation of this character throwing something. And she's like, ha ha, Papa, this is so bad. And I'm like, what do you mean that's so bad? He goes, it's really bad animation. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's, what is it? He goes, it's just shaking. And that's not it, David. She goes, I don't know how you teach animation. It's really bad. <laughs> Dave, it uh... hit me hard. And I'm like, 
what what do you mean it's not good like what is not good about it she goes but you say it's throwing but he's shaking and i looked at it it actually was shaking more than it was throwing uh, my daughter right. left and i changed it <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's so really funny be oh sorry i was just going to say with the anim challenge that we were organizing every every month my, my kids often look at it for pure oh, entertainment for sure. but they get to a point of being purely entertained to be yeah this one is not really good oh this one uh, we see where they were going Ooh, what did that animator yeah. try to, to do i'm like okay give them some slack <laughs> they only a month so they yeah they're they're training their their eyes for animation that, that's for sure <laughs> it's really funny as we were talking about like the the crossover of of work and, and home life my daughter's having like this crisis and she was having some fight with her mom so she of course goes to the other parent and i hear her whining out in front of my door oh, and no. i'm like buddy are you okay can you just like five minutes i'll we'll, i'll be done my stream we can <laughs> you can tell me all about it it's gonna be fine you know this crisis of a piece of paper that mommy took from your hand that was really really important and it's the end of the world i totally get it you can tell me the whole story Absolutely. as long as just give me a minute you know <laughs> oh it is it is their world man that piece of it paper is, is World. It is 100%. Yeah, until they move on to the next thing, which is the next yep. world. But well, <laughs> we've had you for uh, actually an hour and 40 minutes now. Um, I think we've good. probably taken care of most of the questions. I mean, there was a couple there that I'm sure uh, we could still answer, but maybe we can try to answer some of the questions on another, another go. I love where this went at the end. It was a very human moment that we got to sort of kind of all share and talk about, which is something that, you know, it, you don't need to have kids to have this moment. Like everyone has family. Everyone has, you know, people that are there close to that we're always trying to manage a way of being ambitious people that are trying to do the things that we want to be able to do in life, but also not leave the people we love behind in any kind of way. And that's a, that's something that I feel like I'm learning every single day, every single second of every day. It's like they, you, we don't come, we don't come with manuals, right? That's the thing. And so you, you, you know, we, we figure it out as we go and every, everyone's story is very different. So even if you were to write a book on the way you've navigated this, it would not necessarily work for anybody else. That's the thing that everyone's in this together, but we're also kind of solving it on our own in a weird way. So it's just like completely it's, agree, Brent. Yeah. It's yeah. a a deep and uh, interesting puzzle to solve. But it's you know it's what gets me up in the in the in the morning. That's for sure. Well, so so thank you so much for having uh, come on the show, uh, Jalila. Being a very busy that person, as I'm sure that you are, it was great that you took the time out of your day to share all your thoughts and your wisdom with. Oh, uh, with absolutely. The chat. You know, yeah. Thank you for Thank having you, me. Daniel. That was great. Absolutely. Okay, well, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'll see you on the next one. Maybe we can drag you back for another one, a, a sort of a round two one day. But in the meantime, good luck with Deadwood. I, uh, Thank you I will very be, much. I'll be waited, uh, waiting on the sidelines, being very excited to see that hit hit the street. I'm sure that all it your- It comes out this your... year. I promise it's happening. <laughs> It comes out this year. It, you know what? One thing I could, I could, I get the feeling for sure is no matter what, when it does come out, it will be great. I'm sure. So I'm, much. I'm excited. Okay, so see you guys around, mm -hmm. David. As usual, thank you for being here as well. And see you guys on the next one. Okay. Wow. Um, oh, let me get rid of. I always forget. I always forget to do this. So thanks for tuning in, chat. It was a good one. Um, definitely. Um, yeah, exactly. Petter's paying attention. I always, I always try to like throw that little hook in at the end to see if I can be able to get get them to even like just not even say no. If they if they don't say no, it's it's still a maybe, right? I can still maybe get them on on another show. But it's actually we have a really long list of people we want to get on the show, and it's a growing list. So it's pretty exciting. It's like it just feels like there's no end to this list because there's always somebody to talk to. There's so many interesting people out there in the industry. It's just like where do you even begin to uh, to make that list? 
And yes, you're right. Veronica's right. There is once you once you're in this hot seat, there's no getting out. Um, so the uh, the next event on the schedule is going to be another Q and A session with um, uh, with David and myself. On that's always always Tuesdays. So next Tuesday we'll have that. Um, and then we have a um, a conversation with the uh, I think it's the I think we is that a skipping a week? I think it might be. It's uh, yeah because it's the it's the next Wednesday. Um, the uh the 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 uh no 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 sorry i got i got that wrong so 15th is the tuesday and then the 16th is a conversation with mark olivier pluff so he'll be on um on the show and we'll be able to pick his brain about chaos masons which is uh, it's a funny it's there's almost a theme these days there's people that are like these uh entrepreneurial thinkers and it's interesting that we kicked this sort of theme off with manny because manny sort of broke all, all of our brains when he started talking about like having having your, you know, your long-term plan. What is your, I think David keeps calling it chapter three. What's your chapter three plan? You know, like, where are you going to, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to just keep working your little animator fingers to the nubs until you can't do it anymore? Or do you, do you dream of being a carpenter one day? Like, what is it? You know, funny, funny side note. I, I noticed a trend at least years ago where, especially in VFX, I was working a lot of VFX jobs back in the day in Toronto. And it seemed like, everybody had this dream of being a carpenter. I don't know what it is. I, I, I have a theory and I always, I, I'm, I, I consider myself a bit of a maker as well. And I, I love working with wood and, um, Actually, there's an art director over at IDOS who's uh, very talented, who works with wood a lot. He's got his own beautiful shop. Um, and I was very jealous when I saw pictures of it. But I think that my theory is, is that as digital artists, we make, we're creative all day and we make things, but we make things we can't touch. We can see them. We can enjoy them. You know, we show other people them, but you can't sit on them. Like there's something about building something that you can, that has structure, that's a physical form that you can truly enjoy on many levels, as opposed to just a visual level. I have a feeling that's a lot to do with it because we're all creators right we wouldn't we wouldn't be doing this if we weren't creators we didn't like creating things but you know it's a tangible thing the effort of making it but the product that you're left with is just a bunch of pixels on a screen um even if you can you know use a joystick to control those pixels that's still all it really is you can't really physically um sort of um interact with it you know like i think games are the closest thing and i think it's probably why i love games so much is because of that tactile tactile relationship that you can form with the product but um but yeah i think that um you know, it's interesting that we had that conversation with Manny. We just started us on thinking on that thinking of like, yeah, wow, that's that is a good point. We never talk about that. Why do we not talk about that thing where, you know, what happens when we don't animate anymore? And then we've, you know, we, we've now heard from Jalil, who's clearly made that big shift. David himself made that shift and founded uh, Agora Studio with a bunch of other like-minded people like Jacob Gardner and a, and, a, and a slew of other amazingly talented people. And then, you know, and now, and now you know, obviously we're going to be talking to Mark Olivier as well, which is, I'm sure he's got a very similar story um, in, in many ways he co-founded Chaos Masons. So please do tune in for more of that amazing conversation next Wednesday, um, the 16th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, stay animated. We'll see you around. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects, and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs, and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.